0: My biggest piece of advice for my younger self, I think, would be to just try new things and really live in the present. I feel like I was always kind of focusing on the future and, oh, like what's to come next and just worrying about everything that hasn't happened yet, where I didn't always fully give myself the chance to immerse myself in the moment.
1: This podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Today I am very, very excited for my guest, Alana Bender. Um, we were friends in elementary. We lived really close to each other, so we were like always on the bus together. And we just had, in my opinion, a, such a unique relationship. And I always treasured it and remembered all of the memories. We have some really funny stories about things that we would do on the bus, and <laughs> I still have some content on my flip phone from when we were really young, which is so hilarious. Um, and uh, we, we have reconnected and Alana has a very special, unique story and very inspiring story. So I'm very excited for you all to hear it today. Um, Alana, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Selena. I really appreciate you inviting me to come on here. It means a lot to me and it means a lot to me that you think I have a a special story. So thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, very, very excited. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, tell us anything that you feel is important for us to know about you.
0: Sure. Um, I mean, I was born and raised in, well, I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan, but I'm from Cochrane, Alberta, and I've lived here for most of my life. And I've taken a path kind of after high school to go into broadcast news. And then I moved abroad to Australia for a year where I lived and worked out there And now I'm back in Canada and kind of taking more of an entrepreneurial route. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of figuring things out as I go here, but I'm really excited about my new journey and it's been really great so far.
1: Awesome. So let's start with the beginning of your story. So you said you were born in Regina and then you came to Cochrane, small town. (laughs) Uh, So tell (laughs) us a little bit about your childhood and uh, what it was like for you growing up
0: um yeah i had a great childhood i played basically every sport you can imagine and i was very close with my family and i had really close friends so i have parents both a mother and a father. And then I have my brother and sister, Keely and Eric. And we actually played a lot of sports together. Our family used to go skiing as a family. We've just always been very close. And my parents really believed in putting us into sports when we were young to Mm -hmm. teach us how to work as a team and to teach us how to work with other people, which I think really helped me with my development, especially in my entrepreneur journey now, just knowing how to work as a team, especially now that I'm kind of in a leadership role working with the team all the time. I think I've learned a lot from my childhood and that's kind of coming back into my present now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool when you look back at your childhood and see like and compare it to where you are now and see what were the things that really played in how I act and am today. And the fact that you can assign that team leadership that's amazing. And I think sports does do that to you, they get you in a group and you have to learn how to work with a group and become one unit to get the success, the outcome that you want. So and I know what you're doing right now. So I think that it's it is really um, a really cool thing to make that connection um, in between your childhood and things. And I love to hear that your family was very close and you spent lots of time with them. Um, And so moving through your story a little bit, how were you uh, what What's the next part of your story? What comes next?
0: Um, well, growing up, I kind of didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I always mm-hmm. had a very entrepreneurial, oh my goodness, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually ran quite a few businesses throughout my childhood, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, more so in my high school years. But I ran some of my own businesses my mom always kind of said to me that she thought I'd be a business owner of some sort or do some kind of entrepreneurship. And I didn't really know at that point if that was going to be true for me or that I could even do it. So I kind of had it in my mind that I either wanted to be a pilot or in broadcast news, being a news reporter like on TV. So I kind of took more of that route after graduating from grade twelve. Um, I took a broadcast news program with SATE, and I really loved it while I was in it, but I moved to Australia and worked in the industry for about a year, and I just realized it's not something I could totally see myself loving my whole life, so I started a twin career on top of that, and that's kind of where my entrepreneurship journey came into play more so than before. Mm-hmm
1: that's amazing the the entrepreneurship journey is such a uh, such a journey that kind of is stumble stumbled upon you know when you're younger and you kind of hear things about like oh what is a business owner how do i run my own business and when you don't have parents that are entrepreneurs there's a little bit of that gap of like how can i even make that a career So there was a pivotal moment in your young, younger life that really changed your life that has also played a role in choosing to be an entrepreneur in your entrepreneurship. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that event and how it affected you in your journey?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was 12 years old, I had a pretty life-altering event happened in the summer of grade seven going into grade eight. I was really involved in cheerleading back then and I was coming home from a cheerleading camp and I was actually told by the coaches that I was going to have a tryout that night for their senior team and being a 12 year old I was quite excited for that because it's all going to be like older girls who are a lot more experienced than me um, but yeah anyways I had to get home between the cheer camp and the tryout that night, just because it was quite a gap between it. So when I was driving home, I ended up getting in a very severe car accident with my sister Um, and it was quite bad. Like I got airlifted from the scene by the star's ambulance. I broke over 20 bones, including both my feet, all of my toes both my Mm -hmm. hips, my L4 vertebrae, um, lacerated my kidney, lacerated my liver. I got a TBI, which is a traumatic brain injury that took me kind of years to get over. Um, And I had to do lots of cognitive therapy to also help me kind of get back to the point where I should have been like in terms of my grade level and stuff due to that brain injury. So I had to give up a lot of what I loved at a very young age, just because of what I experienced. Because on Mm -hmm. top of the car accident, I had years of complications with my hip. So I had to continuously get surgeries up until about grade 12. So yeah, that was quite a pivotal moment Mm -hmm. in my life, just because I had to quit everything I knew and loved, which was sports and hanging out with friends and stuff. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of just really impacted my relationships with people too. So I kind of felt like being at such a young age and having such a life altering event happen really made me kind of grow up quicker and realize Mm. what I truly wanted out of life and who really mattered to me. Um, Mm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask off of that, you know, you you came so close to death at such a young age. And so looking back, do you think that there was some major lessons around life and death that you gained because of your accident?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like my perspective on life kind of changed at a very young age, just I wasn't really supposed to survive that accident. Like everybody that had talked to me in the hospital couldn't believe that I actually survived because if I was anywhere else in the car, they said it probably wouldn't have happened. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just have always kind of felt like my purpose wasn't met yet, and that I had more that Mm -hmm. I had to do before like my time came, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just feel like I've learned to not take anything for granted in life and to mm-hmm. always surround yourself with the people who matter the most. So for me mm-hmm. that's my family and a couple of close friends who have stuck with me through it thick and thin. Um, mm-hmm. But another significant lesson I've learned is just the importance of empathy and compassion. Because I went through such a challenging recovery, it really deepened my understanding of caring for others who are going through similar events. Just in a time of such like traumatic things happening, it can really make the difference of the world to somebody to just have a helping hand there, somebody that can kind of understand what they're going through.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing to learn and to have a deep understanding of empathy in that situation, and you know. You're right. You know, you still had a lot of life to live. You were, you know, maybe you weren't supposed to make it, but you were like, no, I'm coming through. You're like, you can't, you can't stop me. I'm coming back. No. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and, and fought through it. But the recovery to, to what I understand, you know, it, it took a long time. So do you want to share a little bit about what that did to you on the mental health side of yeah. recovering and you're like relearning so many different things about your body that have been, that were taken away.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, for me... I kind of just had it in my head right after the initial car accident, being just a 12-year-old who, you know, wouldn't let anything affect them and just thought they were invincible. I just was like, oh, I'm going to bounce back from this. I'll be back in sports here and, you know, maybe a couple months. And I was actually talking to my cheer coaches over text back then being like, hey, like, I'll be back in a few months. I promise. Like, I'll be there for that tryout. Just so motivated and ambitious to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously, that wasn't quite how that went. Um, I had about another six years of recovery that was not seen before that point. None of us could have seen that coming. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of had some failed surgeries. I had the pins break out of my hip after my first initial surgery. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I was supposed to be getting those pins out, I was actually getting more put in because they Mm -hmm. initially had it in their heads that like I would be getting those pins out about three to four months after having them put in. But at that Mm -hmm. mark, we realized that they actually broke out of my hip and that I needed more surgeries. Um, So that was kind of the start of that journey. I had it break out three times and then I had a, Mm -hmm. or two times and then I had a partial hip replacement and then most recently a full hip replacement. So that was only done in 2019 and the accident was in 2015. So it was quite a long recovery period which is why I think it did affect me so much mentally just it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the car accident happened I healed and it was done it was kind of an ongoing event for the next five to eight years so Mm -hmm. um, yeah it kind of it took a big toll on me mentally to the point that I was pulled out of school Um, I Mm -hmm. had to take a year off just to focus on recovery and I wasn't even doing any school that year for my grade eight year Um, Mm -hmm. And then I ended up switching schools in grade nine. And I kind of did a hybrid model of online and in person just so I could Mm -hmm. take stuff like math and science at my own pace, because that's the part of my brain that was affected with the brain injury. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had to take extra summer courses, extra courses during the school year just to catch up to my grade level, which did affect me a lot mentally, especially because I didn't have any outlet like Cheerleading and hanging out with my friends used to be my outlet to get away from everything, and that was completely Mm -hmm. taken away from me. So I had to relearn kind of how I could let go and relax, Um, and that was very hard for me. I didn't, I didn't really have anything I could go to um, Mm -hmm. until probably grade ten or eleven when I started kind of making new connections in high school. I just found, yeah, I lost a lot of friends throughout that healing journey, which wasn't necessarily anyone's fault, but my own just kind of pushing people away. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it affected me
1: mentally. (laughs) Yeah, I the thing that I see in your journey is this just immense determination. You are like, I'm gonna get like right after surgery. I'm gonna get back in, and you are so strong and have that determination in you. And I was wondering because you know it it could have been very easy for you to just you know give up. Honestly, um, you were you know mentally because it's like all odds were against you. Things just kept not working out. So what do you feel? Where was that coming from? Where did the term determination come from? Where was that? What was the what was the mindset that you uh, adopted through these? hard times
0: honestly the biggest thing I found that kind of helped me was reaching out to my parents about how I was really feeling because it wasn't Mm -hmm. until about halfway through what would have been my grade eight year that I opened up to my parents saying that like I was struggling immensely with anxiety and suicidal thoughts and Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it
0: wasn't easy um but I find that the biggest thing that helped was just reaching out to people and getting the help I needed. So I went through lots of therapy. um, Mm -hmm. And that kind of helped me just realize there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Because Mm -hmm. for years, I kind of had doctors warning me that, you know, there is a possibility you could be in a wheelchair the rest of your life, and you have to accept that. And being like, between the ages of 12 to 15, that was not something that I wanted to even consider. So um, I just really had a goal of proving those doctors and nurses wrong and continuously doing my physio, my chiropractic appointments, just getting healthy and I think a huge thing for me too was just my family. They were a huge motivator for me. I didn't want them to see me upset because I already knew how upset they were. So mm-hmm. it really took a lot of me and I think that's why it took me so long to ask for help is just I didn't want them to see me hurting because I knew they were hurting right um, but yeah reaching out to help i think is just something that nobody should be ashamed of yeah I, I think that reaching out to help is something that nobody should be ashamed of and that it can truly change your life and help you for the
1: better yeah and people around you love you and want to help you and and support you in any way that they can even if there is that temporary you know you're you're you know you it sounds like you adopted like you want to protect their feelings you were like thinking like i don't want them to see me like this but you were very courageous and very strong to be able to say like, I'm not doing okay, I need help. And then to go and actually get the help is super huge. And I just hope that you like are proud of yourself for that. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to get the help. It really isn't a lot of people struggle silently. And to, you know, come on this podcast and share this and say like, I had to get help is going to be a lifeline to so many people to normalize that it's okay that you're not doing okay, because we all go through hard things. Like yours was a very life altering event and very extreme, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Other, you know, other people's things aren't as big. And and I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but I'm just saying in general, somebody's listening to this and they're feeling that way in any way. You know, the message is reach out, get help and get the support that you need, because there is people around you that love you, want you here and want to be that support. So I just thank you so much for sharing that and opening up about that. And throughout your healing process, I mean, I think healing is, it's never linear. It's all over the place. How did you deal with the PTSD that came along with, you know, being in cars and, you know, living, keep living, trying to live as normal as you can through having this experience?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, one of the biggest things I had to get over in terms of the PTSD was the fact that the car accident happened right by my home because I had to pass that scene every day. And to this day, it does affect me just seeing it. And it honestly, I feel for my family more than I feel for myself when I see like the car Mm -hmm. accident scene, just because Mm -hmm. I was knocked unconscious during the accident where my whole family saw the situation. And like, I just can't even imagine how my sister felt and everything too. Um, Mm -hmm. So honestly, I think The main thing that got me over my PTSD was just kind of exposure therapy. I tried Mm -hmm. to not blame myself for like the way I was sitting in the car. I was trying not to blame anybody, not no drivers, nothing like that. I just Mm -hmm. think it was a fluke, the incident. It couldn't have been prevented. Like it's just one of those things that was a pure accident. And I just acknowledge that it could happen to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. But also just going through some exposure therapy with a therapist, such as just listening to siren sounds, kind of working through it. I found art therapy was the biggest thing that helped me just kind of mm-hmm. drawing while well, I opened up about my feelings because I worked with a few different therapists and it really just didn't click with me and it honestly brought up more Kind of bad feelings for me with a lot of them just talking about it where mm-hmm. I found if I could kind of incorporate art into the therapy it took my head off of what I was talking about well mm-hmm. I could kind of open up some more so that was one of the really big things that kind of helped me get over the PTSD but also just understanding that it happens so rarely a severe accident like that and the statistic of it happening again is so rare it's just yeah. you know it was a pure fluke um, and yeah, just having empathy for it, like I know it wasn't anybody's fault, it couldn't have been prevented, and just kind mm-hmm. of going forward in life, just thinking that way too,
1: yeah taking it taking it one day at a time, and I love what you said there around you know not punishing yourself and not telling yourself that it's your fault and and really that aligns with like forgiving yourself and forgiving others and continuing that and so, um, the fact that you're doing the work, getting out there, and you know. You know, one therapist doesn't work. You go to the next one, figure out what does work for you, because Each individual is going to have such different results and need to do such different things. Um, But the fact that you were able to find these tools that worked for you is so amazing. And just giving it a go to, you know, be open to it, be open to, you know, I want to move through this. How can I do it? And not knowing that you don't have to do it alone. There's professionals who can help you get through that. Um, So again, I just I just think it's so empowering to hear that, you know, you just continue to do the work physically physically, mentally. And you know, there's probably bumps along the road, but you just kept going and just just kept kept being you throughout the whole process, which is so inspiring. So going back to your entrepreneurship journey, and I know this kind of ties in, you started a little a little company when around the when you were in grade nine or something. I forget. You yeah. Created, yeah. Tell us about that. So it was kind of like a thing my mom and I originally
0: did together just for fun as I was recovering through the car accident. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was just making bath bombs at the house. Um, We would just, yeah, we found like a recipe online and we'd try out different ones with different ingredients. And then it was kind of like for friends and family's birthdays and stuff, we'd start adding them into their birthday gifts. And it ended up being that a lot of people really liked them and wanted to actually buy them from us. So Mm -hmm. um, I ended up making... A little page. I had like a website and then I had a Facebook page, and I sold a lot of them on Facebook Marketplace. And then I also went to farmers markets and stuff like that with my mom. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate her kind of helping me with that push at the beginning, especially with that little entrepreneurial journey. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of how that one started. And then it kind of evolved into gift baskets because selling bath bombs while it was good and I made some pretty good money from it at such a young age um I just found if I could kind of add you know some spa products in there or Mm -hmm. um some little like men's baskets and stuff that I could make more profits from that so I kind of evolved that bath bomb company to a gift basket company and then from there I started working with a hair and skincare company um Mm -hmm. and I kind of pushed the bath bomb and gift bags gift basket stuff to the side just because it was easier to run through an online company where I didn't have to source everything and then you know Mm -hmm. put it all together and everything it was just more kind of tailored to being you run the business but don't have to do everything Um, Mm hands-on and then yeah from there I kind of started doing what I'm doing now
1: Right, right. Awesome. So throughout that kind of journey, what is some of the like key moments that you remember some key like highlight moments, whether that's like lessons, whether that's really good things that happened or like really bad things that happened within that entrepreneurship journey?
0: Um, I think one of the biggest things I remember is just having the courage to start. I Mm. was so nervous to get started but if there's anybody that wants to run a business, my biggest advice to them is just start somewhere because you're never going to be ready. Um, And honestly, you learn so much as you go and you learn it very quickly. So if there's something you want to do, just do it, give it a try and you'll learn as you go.
1: I want to just talk about this, stay here for a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I think that's such a valuable piece of advice. You know, everyone's like, even me, it's like you get stuck in the how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make it happen? But the best thing is, is to rip that bandaid off and just start somewhere, even if it's super small, super part time. Um, but just to start and, and you made the comment of, you know, you're never going to feel ready because a lot of us are like, well, when I like graduate from this or when oh, when I like finish this season of my life, like when I'm here, then I'll do it. Like, and it, then it just, it never happens. You're just going to keep pushing it off and off and off. And the best way to learn something is by doing it. And I, I like to think I used to be afraid of failure, but now I'm like, you want to fail fast and then learn from it, pivot, keep going um because that's that's the where the learning is like i i always learn the most from when i fail something versus when i succeed at something like obviously you want to succeed sometimes but there's definitely that you know you want to you just want to like fail and learn fail and learn so i'm wondering if you have any other comments around that if somebody was like seriously nerd like didn't know what to start with what would what would you say to them
0: Honestly, I totally agree with you. Failure is the best way to learn because you learn more from your mistakes than your successes. When you, There's a quote I heard actually where you'll remember something negative 40 times more than something positive. So I feel like if you do something that you are learning from, you're going to remember that way more than if you're just being successful all the time. And you're going to be able to help people more too because if you had a perfect journey people are just going to think you're lucky and that it's all because of luck where if you're having a journey where you have your ups and downs like most business owners or entrepreneurial like most business owners or entrepreneurs do um people are going to learn from both your highs and your lows because nobody has really? mostly nobody has a perfect road and that's okay
1: Yeah. There's no manual that's like, this is how you have to run your life. This is how you have to run your business. Like it's, it's very open to just to you. It's open to you. There's a lot of decisions you get to make. So I love, I love that topic. And, and the the second part of that question was really just like, um, big moments in your entrepreneurship journey, whether those were like really difficult or like really amazing moments throughout that journey. Yeah,
0: I think one of the biggest moments in my entrepreneurial journey that I can kind of think of off the top of my head was just making my first sale, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. just kind of having that sense of accomplishment that I was actually able to do it on my own. That was huge. And that's still something that I've carried through multiple of my businesses. Yeah, taking it back to when I was in college, I felt pretty happy with what I was doing, but I wasn't 100% excited or satisfied with it Um, Mm -hmm. so that's when I decided to kind of take my current entrepreneurship journey in as a twin career and Mm -hmm. I just find that something I can tell people is to again just give it a go like you never know if it's going to work for you or if it's not going to work for you until you try it and it can honestly change your life for the better
1: um, mm-hmm. Some
0: really good things that have happened to me from that is I was able to make my twin career into a full time career. So I'm now 100% into my entrepreneurship journey right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not in broadcast news anymore. So that's something mm-hmm. that's been really good for me, and that would have never happened if I didn't just step up and give it a go.
1: Let's take it back a little bit. I actually want to like break down into like your college and everything. So you're, yeah, you're starting your business, and you have you've done the basket thing. You started doing some. Um, skin products, some hair products, and then you decide to do the um, broadcasting. So why did you decide to do that? Was that something that like just stumbled upon your lap? What was the motivation behind doing that?
0: Yeah. So for broadcast news, I was in grade 12, kind of deciding what I wanted to go into. I had a little bit of interest in going into interior design. Mm -hmm. um, But the thing with that is I hated math. And in order for me to get accepted into that program, I had to take more math classes. And being that I kind of had to take so much math, lessons over the years to catch up to my grade level again, I was just at that point in my life not going to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started looking at some other courses that I could potentially be interested in just because I was going to follow the traditional route of, you know, going to high school and then going to university and then getting a job at university. So I actually stumbled across a YouTube channel. And the girl that was posting these videos was a news reporter and I really enjoyed her daily vlogs of kind of what she did in a day in a life. So I started mm-hmm. looking at programs for how I could become a news reporter and I stumbled across Sate, and I also looked at BCIT and some other places in Canada. Um, but Sate was the highest rated one. So I decided to look into their application program. And one of the steps for their application was to essentially job shadow um, mm. a true station to see if it's something you actually want to do. Um, so I went to Global News and I ended up watching an evening show that Joel Senek was covering for Linda Olson. And that kind of just made me really want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Being behind the scenes and just seeing how it all comes together really inspired me. So I applied for the broadcast news program. I got accepted and I was at school for two years for that. And then I moved to Australia and I worked in the industry for one year. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of when I was in school and working in the industry for a year, it kind of got repetitive for me, especially Mm -hmm. the work I was doing just with the radio station. Um, So I ended up just deciding to do a twin career to see if it's something I would want to shift into and kind of keep broadcast news on the back burner. Um, Mm -hmm. But ever since I've shifted over to my finance job that I'm doing now, I've just fallen in love with it so much more that I kind of don't have a plan B anymore like this is kind of it right. for me.
1: Right. And in that too like there's this there's this theme there's this topic of like um and I've been kind of playing with this in myself you know when we're when we're in high school they they ask us like what do you want to do with the rest of your life so, to kind of con- continue down this this conversation of different careers and everything what would you say is one of the hardest things um for you because you know it's it's very hard to go against you know go against the traditional against the beaten path is there anything that like you have had to overcome mentally because I know in my entrepreneurship journey and in my journey it's like there's been a lot of mental stuff that I've had to overcome of like what is normal <laughs> someone yeah, totally. you have any of those experiences as being a young business owner um i honestly think the biggest
0: thing i had to get over mentally was just the opinion of others um mm. especially with my first couple of businesses i really cared about what other people thought and i know a large way to run your business nowadays is through social media. So mm-hmm. by posting on social media, well, it's a great way to expose your business to many people, especially like your warmer markets. Um, you're obviously going to get a lot of criticism from people who maybe say they support you, but don't really support you. Um, so just getting over that and kind of realizing who was actually good for me and who was really there to support me and to be there for me when times were hard versus the people who I just kind of need to ignore and kind of mm-hmm. take out of my life. That was one of the biggest things that I learned so far through my entrepreneur journey is just, yeah, get over the opinion of others. The sooner you can mm-hmm. do that, the quicker you're going to involve in your businesses um, and the quicker you're going to find your people because there are people out there that will support you and they're going to be in your circle and you're going to learn from them and you can teach them as well. Um but yeah, you won't be able to find those people unless you kind of start putting yourself out there.
1: Yeah, I I love that as well. I think that's such an important message. And if someone is listening right now and they have had this you know desire to post, because I know that's like a, definitely a theme. They have the desire to post. They want to share a new idea, something new, a new business. But they are in that position where you were a couple years ago of just like, I really care about what other people think. I'm really stressed. What would you tell them in that moment or like how could they, you know, take an action step to get over that? I know it's like very much like you just got to do it, rip the bandaid off. But in in a little bit of a coaching way, what would you say to that individual?
0: Honestly, I think just starting small. Something I did with my first business when I was really scared of some of my people that I was just like, oh, I'm definitely going to get judged by this person is I'd literally just go through my settings and restrict some people from seeing my story or remove some people as followers. And as you go on through your entrepreneurship journey, you're going to realize you don't have to do that as much. And you'll build that confidence where you just don't care what other people think. But if you're that nervous to get started and you really want to start posting, honestly, just remove the people that you're worried about that are going to judge you or start talking to people that are going to be there to support you because there will be people who have gone through that exact same situation and they'll have advice for you too but Mm -hmm. i honestly think the biggest thing is just kind of cancel out the noise and negativity and just start small even if it's just like maybe you're not comfortable talking on video yet but you're comfortable putting up a static post that's just some text you can start like that and you'll gradually be able to show your face more or talk more Um, But just starting somewhere. And if you're really nervous about certain people, just remove them because they're not going to support you at the end of the day anyways. So you may as well build a community that is going to support you.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. And yeah, it's like get rid of the people that you're afraid of. You know, there's a lot of ways you can uh, remove them without completely unfollowing. And, you know, there's lots, lots of little sneaky things that you can do nowadays. Um, But yeah, at some point, you're you just gotta you gotta start. Or else, exactly. it will just it will always be an idea inside of your brain. Um, so, in your new business, um, what is some of the exciting things going on that's happening for you, um, and and why you're passionate about being in the financial industry? I'm really passionate
0: about this business because I kind of firsthand saw my parents' passion through this business as they're the ones that brought me into this. And I've just seen firsthand their client success stories, some families that wouldn't have made it financially in Canada if it wasn't for them stepping in to help them as financial educators. Um... And I just feel like this career choice is so deeply meaningful to me because of that impact that I can have on my clients' lives. So I've had the witness again of kind of seeing those firsthand stories of just families being saved, relationships being saved, um, child's education plans being able to be put into place so that they can reach their goals of their like university dreams or their scholarship dreams if they're playing sports, all those kind of things. In a nutshell, I just I chose to be a financial advisor because I see how profound it can be just affecting people's lives in a positive way. And I know how much it can help families going through crises like such as fires burning down houses right now in Kelowna, Mm -hmm. or if somebody gets in a life-threatening car accident or God forbid, dies in a car accident. Families are protected so that they can properly grieve and they can take time off work and get back on their feet or take a little vacation to get away from everything for a bit. Just, we have a mission statement of leaving no family left behind. And that's something that serves huge meaning to me in the work that I do. And honestly, it's what inspires me to get up every day and get to work. I just, I know what we do helps so many people that I just don't have. That procrastination in me anymore, where I just want to lay in bed and slack off because I know there's people out there that need to hear what we have to say, and there's people out there to be helped who don't know what we're doing yet. So,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely love that. And um, I think financial literacy is so important. And it's definitely something that again, another thing that is just not done in school in our school system is like, even just the basics of like, this is how you need to protect your money. This is how you ensure like, invest your money. And it's like some simple things going even back to like, how do you uh, use a credit card? Like there's very simple things in the financial industry that are not teach. And so I think it's like a huge need. And again, the mission of no family left behind, that is so powerful, because so many people, especially with the way that our world has been the last three years, they need that lifeline, they need a a a plan to get them to where they want to be so they can live their life the way that they want to live it. So I think the work that you're doing right now is just absolutely amazing. And I, I hope it turns into whatever you want it to turn into is super successful and you can help lots of families in that. Oh, thank you, Selena. I appreciate that a lot. Is there anything else about your entrepreneurship journey that you want to touch on before we move into my favorite topic of travel? Is there anything else that you want to share about your entrepreneurship journey or advice to any entrepreneurs out there, young entrepreneurs? Hmm.
0: Honestly, I feel like one of the biggest things that I could give us some advice to a young entrepreneur is if you're looking to start the entrepreneurship journey, but you don't necessarily know if you want to be fully independent, if you want to go with a company, if you want to try something, um, just try something. Like you can start anywhere and you can switch at any time. If you try something out and you learn a little bit from it, you can honestly transfer those skills to any entrepreneurship, any business, any, anything you want to do. So, It's good to always just start somewhere. And then if it's not necessarily what you love, but you know you want to be a business owner or you know you want to be an entrepreneur, you can always try different things. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to be ashamed if you decide to pivot to a new um, career within entrepreneurship, per se. Like, you Mm -hmm. can always try different things within the entrepreneurship role. You don't have to feel like just because you're with one company or just because you're with one business that that's what you have to be stuck doing. You can always switch and try out different things as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's very powerful. And two in that, like if one business fails, It doesn't mean your next one's gonna fail you know now you have a different set of tools in the approach to your next one and i think that's really aligns with what your message is so thank you for sharing that because yeah there's so many different options of ways to become an entrepreneur whether you want to do it all from scratch yourself, or if you want to join an organization, a company, uh, there's just there's just so many options out there. So yeah, that's a really great piece of advice. So to kind of move into my favorite topic, like I said, travel. <laughs> um, can you tell us All the things that travel has done for you. So you said, just to kind of bring people up to where we are. So you said that you went to Australia for a year to pursue your broadcasting. Um, But in that traveling, oh, I I love travel so much. It gets me so excited because there is just this profound, um, profound thing about seeing the world and traveling and pushing yourself to get outside of your hometown. So why don't you share a little bit about your travel experience in Australia with us?
0: Yeah, I mean going a little bit back uh okay. further than Australia, I guess, is I my dad has been a pilot for all of my life so I've always just had this passion for travel and just seeing the world mm-hmm. and that was kind of built thanks to my parents so I can accredit that to them um being that they've brought us on a lot of vacations we've gone to Hawaii we've gone to Ireland all over the states all over Canada mm-hmm. um and there's so many more places that we have on our bucket list individually and as a family um, so Yeah, Australia was always somewhere that I dreamed of going to. And it kind of started that dream, especially in grade 10 and 11, when I was going through some hard stuff with my car accident recovery, I was just kind of looking for an escape. And I guess Mm -hmm. that was kind of an outlet for me back then, too, is just looking at places I could go and kind of escaping through my computer. Um, So Australia was somewhere I really researched a lot. And I was actually planning with one of my good friends, Anna, back in the day. We had like a little Pinterest board where we would put stuff about Australia on there. And it was always my dream to go. I never really knew if it would happen. Um, But yeah, it ended up being that I had the opportunity to go. Um, Because of school, I had to find an internship. And I decided to be a bit of an overachiever instead of just going to CTV or Global or something in Alberta. I was like hey to my professor and I said would it be okay if I applied to someone Australian she was kind of just like I mean you can but they're probably not going to accept you and I just had I've always had that drive in myself where I'm like Mm -hmm. if there is a will there's a way and I'm gonna make that happen so I ended up reaching out to like every single radio station and television station within the small city I was living in which was kind of hard because there's only about six of them Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, most of them said they couldn't take international students. But once Mm. I got there, and I was graduated and had my diploma and everything to reach out and I could maybe get work with them. But obviously, that wasn't what I needed. So um, I just kept trying and trying. And they ended up finding um, some great mentors out there who were my news directors. And they ended up accepting me with their online radio station. So I ended up getting to go out there to work, um, which kind of made my dream come true. And then I also have my Australian boyfriend, which helped too, because him and his family took me in for a year so that I could live with them while working. Um, So yeah, the opportunity just kind of fell into place. And I almost feel like that was manifestation from back in the day when I was Mm -hmm. younger, making those Pinterest boards and just talking about it and everything. But Australia was my first trip that I got to do kind of independently. And that was fully planned by me. So that one will always have such a huge, like impact on my life. And I'll always hold that Mm. feeling with me just the first time in my life where I'm like, okay, this is what I really want right now. And this is what I'm going to like make happen. And then just planning the steps to make it happen was
1: huge too. Yeah. I mean, there's something about when you it, it, there's that power to it. You, like going on family trips, it's like, yeah, it's great. It's fun. It's amazing. But there's something about when you like plan your own trip, you make something that you wanted so badly happen. Uh, you do, you do it on your own, you figure it out, you get it done. There's just like so much empowerment that happens inside of you. And and there's also a deeper, um, I think, appreciation. That's what I've noticed too, where you're just like, really just like a sponge just a sponge of like oh my gosh soaking it all in not that you wouldn't do it on other vacations but it's just it, it is a different type of of travel and so the fact that you could like work and travel is absolutely amazing what do you think is like one of the biggest things you learned about yourself through travel
0: one of the biggest things that I've learned myself is just honestly trusting myself um mm. sometimes I would go through a bit of anxiety being like oh my gosh what am I doing I can't do this I should have stayed at home where it's safe in my little comfort zone but getting yeah. out of my comfort zone and knowing that like my higher self knew this was what I needed to do and just trusting mm-hmm. that intuition um has really led me through more than just Australia but a lot of different aspects in my life just being able to grow from those experiences. I think one of the biggest things about my journey in Australia is um, I did lots of my traveling with my boyfriend and my best friend out there. But when I went to Sydney, I was completely on my own. And I was so mm-hmm. scared. I could have stayed in my hotel room. I could have just stayed around the area, gone to like a couple restaurants, maybe went to a couple shops and stuff. But I decided I was like, okay, I'm here and I don't know when I'm going to be back here. So what I'm going to do is have my phone on Tell my parents where I am, and I'm just going to go explore. Like, have no plan, just go explore so I ended up taking a ferry to the other side of Sydney Um, I went on public transit which was totally new grounds for me like I've been blessed here in Canada having always my own car my parents drive me places so learning how to take public transit in a new country was kind of scary but I honestly Mm. grew so so much from that because now I feel confident with that too and I just feel like you got to trust your gut and you know that you're going to learn so much from it um mm-hmm. so just give it a go like honestly what's the worst thing that I mean <laughs> we know the world's a little dangerous now so always be in contact yeah. with the people that are close to you and that are safe um but yeah I mean Australia is a relatively very safe country and yeah. as long as you make smart decisions and you know you do the right yeah. things you'll be fine
1: <laughs> totally I'm always like yeah like traveling's great but like also there's a very like yeah, there's like a very you know you have to make <laughs> smart choices and but also like I find too it's so easy to focus on the bad of what's going on yes. around you but there is so much good there is so many good people and when you let yourself go into that and really you know not be completely naive and. But like still that there is so many beautiful people and so many beautiful experiences out there. You just have to look for them. Just like you uh, look for the bad ones, you got to look for the good ones. And I think, yeah, when you can um, travel, whether you're in a group or by yourself. I mean, I feel because my experience traveling by yourself, you do you learn that trust in yourself a lot quicker. Like it happens a lot faster because it's like okay, there's nobody to talk through this with or there's nobody else here to help me make the decision. And it sounds so simple, but like, and something that to someone in like Europe or in Australia that take public transit all the time would be like, Psh, what are you talking about? But it is that really big moment of like your first time where you're like, you know, we're both from a small town. So there wasn't any public transportation to begin <laughs> with. Um, but when you go to the the bigger cities, there is, but it's like something that's so little, but so profound when you do it yourself, there's just this, you become proud of yourself and be like, yeah, I just did that. And, you know, I'm still here. I'm live thriving. <laughs> and yeah, it's exactly. definitely this really cool way to strengthen that trust that you speak of and strengthen the intuition and trusting new intuition and, and following that. And so I think that's just, it's so amazing to oh, thank experience you. that. Is there anything else about Australia that like you really want to share or anything? Um, Honestly, one of the biggest things about Australia,
0: I loved Australia, don't get me wrong, like it was such a big thing in my life, but visiting home at my six month mark when I was over there for a year is something that like I'll always remember that feeling because I had so many complications getting back home I was so stressed I was crying at the airport traveling alone is kind of scary especially internationally and it was like my second (laughs) time ever doing it because my first was getting there (laughs) um but coming home to visit after like a 24-hour journey with no sleep and you know just completely like scared and on my own um being able to reconnect with my family and having them waiting for me at the airport with my puppies and just being able to hug them again and, you know, just be in their presence again was such a huge thing for me. And I'll never forget that feeling. It just, yeah, it was a huge deal for me. And it made me appreciate what I have back home so much more when I didn't have it with me in Australia, because while I had a great time over there, there were some times where you just want to, you know, have the little things like, your whole wardrobe, or somebody to yeah. talk to in your family. Um, you know, I just I can't explain the level of happiness returning home, how it feels, especially after mm-hmm. being gone for a long time. Being that I've never moved out before,
1: having mm-hmm. that six
0: month visit just was huge for me. And yeah, it also just made me realize that even though it was daunting at times living across the world, um, everything is temporary if you want it mm-hmm. to be. Like all you have to do is get a plane ticket, and realistically, you can be back home the next yeah. day. So yeah. that was a huge realization for me, not even just in traveling, but in every aspect of my life, just knowing that everything is temporary, if you want
1: it to be. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I I love, I love that, because there is that, you know, sense of like, yeah, you moved out for the first time, but you didn't just like move to a different town, you moved across <laughs> the world. Um, And so like, that's that's pretty crazy like that's you got to give yourself some kudos for that um, there is that there is that thing about traveling where you know it looks amazing it is amazing but you know it's that's not a hundred percent you know it's not always you know there's always these little dips and things i can remember moments in my travels to europe uh a year and a bit ago where i was literally like crying and things weren't working out and then the next couple of days, things were working out. Everything's fine. You know, you learn how to let go and go through things, but it's very real where there's like those little things that you start to miss. Like, yeah, just like the, I guess the normalcy of your everyday life, the wardrobe couldn't relate (laughs) to anything more in my life. Cause it's like, okay, I'm living out of this backpack. Cool. Literally. I'm a girl who likes my clothes. Ah, like <laughs> I think that's just like such a such a real thing of like travel is amazing. It's beautiful. But then it also creates this gratitude for what you do have and for the people who are around you and are there and who love you and are supporting you from even if it's across the world. So I think that's a that's a very beautiful lesson of just like gratitude and and um, yeah, just like going through the motions of leaving home, coming back and. Just being choosing to be grateful about all the experiences, which is so beautiful.
0: Oh, thanks, Selena. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear all about your Australia journey yeah. and then see how you feel when you come home because you're
1: going for three months. Yeah, two and a bit, two and a bit. Two and a so bit. Yeah. Crazy, yeah, it's going to be yeah. super exciting and super crazy. And so I'm I'm excited for that. Um, So before we wrap up, go to the final four questions. Is Mm -hmm. there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to share before we move into those final four? Um, Honestly, if
0: anybody's going to Australia... The Great Barrier Reef is where it's at. That was by far my favorite place in all of Australia to the point that I went there two times um, on like big trips um, in the year I was there. So definitely check out the Great Barrier Reef. That was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. The snorkeling is amazing out there. Um, And honestly, that's the place. It's like the Canmore of the Banff of Australia. Mm. There's tourists everywhere. Everybody's so friendly. If you want to make friends, Airlie Beach is a great place to make them. Um, because that's the gateway to get to the Great Barrier Reef obviously it's in the middle of the ocean so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah great um, the Great Barrier Reef and Airlie Beach is my favorite parts of Australia so I'd highly recommend that to everybody visiting and then yeah Brisbane,
1: Gold Coast, oh, all course. that stuff
0: too is also beautiful those are some of my favorite places.
1: Yeah it's actually such a big country like <laughs> you don't think about it until you actually start doing research about going there no. and I'm like Ooh. it's a that's a big place. I don't think I'm going to get to see it all in two months. Um, no, probably, like, you don't realize that until you actually like do the research. I feel like probably people coming to Canada think the same thing. You know, they hear about like the bam and then they like actually do research and it's like, damn, Canada's big. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, no like, that's I'm
0: something gonna... I realized too.
1: Yeah. It's funny to think about how people think about Canada. It's just, it, it's funny. It, it makes me laugh sometimes. Cause we're like, Oh, Europe australia and they're like ooh, canada yeah <laughs> <So good. laughs> well so i have um
0: my best friend from australia she's visiting in october and november and just hearing the things she said just being like excited to visit here when it's such normal things for us mm-hmm. kind of just brings back full fo- ra- brings back that gratefulness for kind of how i felt when i was over there and missed stuff and then realizing like you really do take things for granted that other people have never met like we always complain about the snow and stuff. But then there's Australians who have never seen snow or, you know, people from all over the world who come here just to see the mountains that are like right in our backyard. So
1: Mm -hmm, (laughs) yeah, it's nice to kind of
0: see that perspective. Mm
1: -hmm, Totally. Awesome. Well, let's go into our four final questions. So these, you know, if you need a minute to think about them, some of them, you know, they can be a little, a little bit big picture kind of questions in a way. Um, But yeah, they're, They're pretty easy. Whatever comes to you in the moment is the best kind of way to answer them. So the first question is, what is the best piece of advice you've received and why? Hmm.
0: Honestly, I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is if you want something in life, just go for it. That's kind of something I've always lived for. Um, Hmm. Because there can always be things in your head where you're going to go, oh, I can't do it because of this or this excuse. And honestly, the only way you're ever going to get over that is just trying new things. And you'll never experience a full life if you don't go out there and try the things that you're scared of that are outside of your comfort zone. So if there's something you want, just go out and do it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. That needs to be like screamed from the (laughs) rooftops. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Okay, next one is if you had to give your younger self a piece of advice or someone in the younger generation, however you want to look at it, what would that piece of advice be?
0: um, my biggest piece of advice for my younger self, I think, would be to just try new things and really live in the present. I feel like I was always mm-hmm. kind of focusing on the future and oh, like what's to come next, and just worrying about everything that hasn't happened yet where I didn't always fully give myself the chance to immerse myself in the moment. Um, And I think you just need to sometimes disconnect from like thinking Mm -hmm. of, oh, what's tomorrow, what's next week, what's next year, five years from now, and really just focus on like this day in the present and what you want to get done this Mm -hmm. day and what your goals are. So just not living life too quick or wishing time away is the biggest thing, but Mm -hmm. also just trying everything and not really caring what others think were kind of the biggest things I wish I could tell my younger self
1: yeah I think those are really important lessons and I think it's funny because as kids we're so we want to grow up so fast we're like "Ooh, 16 drivers license, okay cool 18 I want to be an adult and then it's like whoa 21 cool now we're legal everywhere and then it's like ew Adulting. Yeah. <laughs> of, of like we were, you know, a lot of I don't know if this is true for you, but I was like so quick to grow up and I was like, I want it, I want it. Um, and and in that you lose that present moment. And it's so easy. I've talked about this lots. It's so easy to get distracted because we have our phones, we have entertainment literally in our hands so it's so easy (laughs) to get so distracted um but when you can truly do what you said and disconnect and be present I think that that is where some real magic comes in and you can yeah it's just it's a really beautiful way to live your life um in the present yeah awesome okay next one how do you define success oh that's a good one Mm -hmm. um
0: I feel like I would define success kind of just based on the feeling of within, like if you're feeling confident with what you're doing and you're happy, then who's to say like, that's not success, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I know success looks different to everybody and it's kind of something that's very personal, um, but yeah, honestly, I feel like success could look so different to so many different people that as long as you're happy and you're feeling accomplished at the end of the day, I think that success in itself, just,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: having that feeling of you've done enough or you feel like you gave it your all. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my feeling yeah. of success.
1: I love it. And I, I just recently started asking this question because I love that, you know, it brings this different awareness to be like, oh yeah, you know, success doesn't have to be what my friend's definition of success is. And just hearing that there is different versions of success and it is so customizable to what you want. And some people want that like mansion, fancy cars, all these things, but sometimes you want that, but you're like, hold on, where did that even come from? I That's yeah. that's not actually what I want. And so I asked that question to, uh, you know, challenge the people who are listening to this as well to really think about like, how do you see success? Like this is how Alana sees success. But like, how do you see it and just start that conversation of like redefining it and making it your very own. So I love how you answered that question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So final question. This is one of my favorite questions because I love to end the uh, interview in a state of gratitude. So mm-hmm. what are you grateful for?
0: Ooh, I'm grateful for a lot of things, but I feel like I'm super grateful for those who are around me, um, that I surround myself like my five closest people in my life, Um, my family, my friends, you for bringing me on this podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm just I'm so grateful for everybody who's positive in my life, and just you know for having a shelter, for having a roof over my head, um, the ability to kind of choose my own life and not feel like I have anybody else telling me what I need to do so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things I'm grateful for in my life but I think family is a huge one for me just I feel like I wouldn't be what I am today if it wasn't for my parents and for my brother and sister just constantly kind of um, being there for me especially when Mm -hmm. times are hard so Mm -hmm. yeah there's lots I'm grateful for but especially just Mm -hmm. the people closest
1: to me that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and getting very vulnerable and helping, you know, helping us understand things that you went through. And it's, it's you know, it's hard to talk about these things, but when we open up, there's this magic that happens and there's, there, there can be a line of hope that is created by sharing. So I really appreciate how deep you got and how you shared your story. And we're really vulnerable about all the lessons and the highs and the lows and everything that's happened in your life. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to sit with me and chat about your story oh you're
0: so welcome thank you so much for having me on selena i really appreciate you reaching out and to think i'm inspiring enough to be on here (laughs) (laughs) yes yes you are all right thank you